May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Well, welcome this morning. This Sunday, you may or may not know, is the closing chapter of our church year. Uh, next week, we will begin anew with the season of Advent. It starts our brand new church year. But before we do that, we make a diversion today. Christ the King. That's the title of today's feast. We have given up the green, as you may have noticed, uh, just as the world has, uh, the trees trading it for a blaze of color and us for the ultimate and celebratory white. Christ the King. That's today. It's a pretty recent innovation in the life of the church. Reason in the sense of most everything that we do in the church is moderated and revolves around lunar and solar uh, revolutions. So this is pretty modern in the sense it's, it's after Protestantism, but say precedes the get-rich-quick gospel these days. And this, so this started in 1925 with Pope Pius XI. Pius XI, because apparently there's a real shortage of Pope names going around, so <laughs> got to reuse all the old ones a bunch of times. Piuses and Benedicts and Innocents. Nobody wants to be Pope Ernie or Pope Chris. I don't know. There was that little known coronation of Pope Chris, but uh, they discovered that it was short for Christina, so they had to cover it up real fast. But <laughs> Pope Pius XI was 1920s. And he was concerned, he was after World War I, and he was in increasingly concerned about the growing secularism in our world, uh, where people didn't pay attention to things like popes anymore, and what popes have to say, and particularly what popes have to say about what land belongs to the Holy Roman Empire and who gets to govern the pope. So the Roman question, that's this time. And so he declared Christ the King Sunday and said, said this, while nations insult the beloved name of our Redeemer by suppressing all mention of it in their conferences and parliaments, <clears throat> we must all the more loudly proclaim his kingly dignity and power, all the more universally affirm his rights. His rights. Therefore, the church's rights, right? Because Christ is king. Uh-huh. See, this has been tried before, this attempt to proclaim Christ as king. The earliest example you might remember is a story from the gospel where everybody, all the people following Jesus, get together and say, let's make him king, we'll do it by force. And you remember what happened? He ran away. And that actual attempt to crown the real Christ as king is just one grievance in a whole litany of them, of this biblical struggle with the concept of kings. And it begins all the way back at the beginning with the people of Israel, in the stories that we call the Old Testament. The Israelites, you know the story, right? The Israelites come to Samuel, the prophet, and they say, make us as great as other nations. We are not like them because we don't have a king. Give us a king. What we want is a king. And Samuel 
says, don't do it. A king will take everything that you have. Your sons will be conscripted into his armies, and they will die for the king. Your daughters will serve in his court for their entire lives. Don't do it. He'll tax you. He'll take the first fruits that you've been saving for God and take them for himself. The first fruits of all of your labor. You'll regret this. And I may be emoting God here a little bit, but in his response, God sounds a little hurt too. Aren't I enough for you, he says? Don't you know what kings do? Don't you realize that they take away your freedom? But they got a king. And they never looked back, and neither did we. It's like we have, it's like part of human nature, that we have this compulsion to make kings. We do it all the time. We swear allegiance to so many things. We have kings of sports, of news, of culture. We have kings among men. We have the kings of rock and roll. We have kings of swing and country and comedy. We have king of the hill, Larry King, Burger King, kings of the right, kings of the left, moderate, fiscal conservative, socially liberal. We make kings of them. We make the free market economy king. We want it powerful and authoritative for our lives. We want to trust it. We make data king. And we do trust it with our whole hearts. We make society king, associating ourselves with the greatest that we can find and moving upwards toward that level of kingliness. And this happens constantly in churches, too, in big ways and small. We set up people to dictate, and isolated texts to rule us. Folks make the King James Bible a king. When the church merged with the empire, we actually made popes our kings. They were still being, for real, crowned with actual tiaras in, Rome, in royal ceremony when Pope, the Pius, when Pope Pius XI was made pope, who instituted Christ the King Sunday. To be fair, I've known queens too, a lot rarer breed. But what we want is just someone to represent the best of this, to swear allegiance to, and whether I am with, someone for, to tell me whether I am with or against the people around me, something to align ourselves with, who will conquer the forces of fear and uncertainty around me. It is our great desire to hand this over to a king. Like our self-authorship is dependent on this web of kings, the system that makes everything run just so. It's all so authoritative, secure, and utterly isolating. And then we reach today's gospel, our lectionary. The lectionary used to be different for this day. Uh, originally, they had chosen the depiction of the great and terrible day of the Lord, where the moon turned to blood and the stars fell from the sky and Christ's consummation was an unquenchable flame that would burn up the chaff all around, and all would see it and fall down in awful obedience. Sounds to me a lot like a response that a human king would enjoy. 
But God blessed that electionary committee and the work of the Holy Spirit. They pointed us today and every year to the opposite of everything we want in a king, the anti-king. And here he is before you, born a refugee, now a Jewish political prisoner, riot-inducing, homeless, propertyless, gyra-vague preacher, 30-something unmarried pacifist who died before lifting a hand of retaliation, who spent a life criticizing power and those who thrived by it, who pointed at those no king had ever saved, pointed at the ones the system thrived upon. And here he is, asking forgiveness for even those he criticized because he knew that people are never merely reducible to the system that they live in. Asking forgiveness for kings and criminals, those who triumph and those who are trampled upon. Here he is, the one who came to redefine our ideas once and for all about power, about God's kingship. This is the image of the invisible God. Thank God for this gospel. It comes just in time. I don't know about you, but for the last nearly two weeks since the election, I've been praying and sifting and sorting and discarding my assumptions and narratives and suspicious of the narratives that are coming in on every side for the events that are unfolding. So thank God for this. Kingship that displays power of perfect weakness, who communes with us there. Thank God we have this Christ. For no matter how we would like to reduce our neighbors to simplistic caricatures of their worst selves, no matter how good it feels, and it feels good and it's easily available to do, to insult and demean those we disagree with, Thank God, I have an example of what God would do. I don't know where I would be without it. Thank God I have this Christ. For hearts that can be broken out of allegiances to the kingdoms of security. Thank God that this is an example of someone who's not willing to just stand passively by either, but puts himself in harm's way, who demonstrates that it is not enough to privately live in the constructs of the kingdom in your heart, but that you see this kingdom and you glimpse it only by looking outside, in the neighbor, in the immigrant, in the weak. Thank God, because my heart without it would languish in self-satisfaction and private devotion. Thank God that God shows power by giving it up that Jesus' kingship doesn't sound like dictation to a crowd. Thank God for a God who would not rule, not because he couldn't, but because our ideas of the nature of power depend on the subservience of others, whether we see it or not, and he would be the one to serve all. May we dedicate ourselves to that which is no king at all. We crown him in opposition to the powers that dehumanize and degrade. We crown him in our humility. We crown him in our tears. Amen.
We believe in one God.